You're listening to a session of Come Celebrate, hosted by the Bay Christian Family Church. We're going to talk about expanding our expectations. Expanding our ex. If you really want to expand the rest of your year, make it the best of your year, um, you got to decide what you're expecting out of the rest of this year. How many have some things you're expecting God to do the rest of this year? In your life, in your business, in your home, in, in, your, in your spirit. you got to have some expectation. What are you expecting the rest of this year? It's a really important question. And the answer is really the most important part of the question because the level of your expectation really sets the limits for what you'll receive. Your expectation, the rules, it's true for the rest of this year or for your life. If you expect a little, if you believe a little, if you pray a little, if you ask a little, you'll receive a little. Uh, even though God is able to do great things, you can limit your own life by your level of expectation. If you expect much, believe much, pray much, uh, you, I believe you'll begin to see God. Whatever you expect with confidence becomes your own self-fulfilling prophecy. So we want to expand our expectations tonight. I hope to, to kind of grow your faith, get you to believe a little bigger. You might as well dream big. I mean, here's the good news. You don't have to settle for little if you don't want to. I mean, we serve a big God. And if you don't like the way your world is, you can change it. Start believing bigger, thinking bigger. It's just a fact. I mean, big, it doesn't take any more energy to have a big dream than it does to have a little dream. So why not, why not dream big? I love what uh, Michelangelo he said, the greatest danger for most of us is not that our dream is too high and we miss it, but that our dream is too low and we reach it. You got a dream, dream so big, it'll take you a lifetime to get it. Uh, we're going we're to talk about that. Anyway, uh, just give you a little wisdom on that. Proverbs 1 verse 5 uh, says that a, that a wise person will increase in learning. How many like to be smarter than you are right now? Yeah. Uh, how many like to be doing better than you're doing right now? If you're not doing as well as you'd like to be doing, it just means there's something you don't know. The difference between where you are and where you want to be is just what you know. So if you're not doing as well as you'd like to be doing, it just means there's something you don't know. What area of your life? What don't you know? When I heard that, I went from being a know-it-all to being a learn-it-all. Proverbs 1 verse 5, a wise person increases in learning. Proverbs 3, wisdom is more valuable than silver, more profitable than gold, more precious than rubies. Uh, whatever you wish for, it's more, it's more important than that. Proverbs 4, wisdom is the principal thing. Whatever you do, get, get wisdom. And then all throughout Proverbs, it tells us wisdom will protect you. Wisdom will promote you. It gives us all the, the benefits of, of wisdom. Wisdom will promote you. I thought about that the other day. Uh, it reminded me of these two guys I went to high school with trying to get a promotion at their job. They went into the HR department and said, we heard about there's a promotion available. We like to apply for it. They said, well, it's real simple. Just take a test. We'll give you a test. Whoever gets the best score on the test gets the promotion. Really, it came down to wisdom. Uh, what, four verse, what is it, 10 or tw uh, 11, something like that, Proverbs 4. Anyway, they both took the test. Hey, after they took the test, they called them in. They said, hey, guys, we looked over your test, and uh, you actually both scored the exact same thing. But we can't give you both the job. We can only give it to one of you. So, Kenny, we decided to give it to you. Well, Robert got mad. Why'd you give it to him? We got the same score. Why'd you pick him? Why didn't you pick me? They said, well, it really came down to question 46. They said, what was question 46? They said, well, it really wasn't the question. It was your answers that helped us make our decision. They said, what was our answers? They said, well, Kenny, you put, uh, I don't know. Robert, you put me either. 
wisdom makes all the difference, right? In the world. So whatever you do, we want to get these wisdom. We want to get these principles. Now, here's the thing about principles. Principles are powerful. They're simple. Principles are simple. And all throughout the Word of God, remember we talked about the very first night, there's a difference between the person of Jesus and the principles of Jesus. The person of Jesus creates your peace. The principles create your prosperity. So there's a difference between those two. And they're simple, yet they're powerful models that help us really understand how the world works. Principles generate the same results every time, no matter where you are. They work here in South Africa. They also work in Australia. They work in America. They, they work everywhere, every time, no matter where you are, principles work. Pastor said it this way, the word works for those who work the word, Right? The word works. The principles work if you work the principles. They don't wear out. They don't rust out. They don't give out. They last. They're timeless. They're tireless. They, they, life, life is just really a process of discovering principles. Discovering and, and, and discovering what works. And so if you want to make rapid progress, how many want to expand quickly? How many want to see increase come? You want to make rapid progress, don't fight the principles. Don't fight against the principles. Flow with the principles. Principles are without question the fastest way to get what you want. Say this with me. Say, I discovered the principles that work. And I work them. Say, I'm always learning new principles that work. Yeah, principles are... are, are revealed to us. Just get a hold of them. There are three ways to get wisdom. Three ways you can get wisdom. Uh, you can get it from mistakes, which is, by the way, the slowest way to get it, to learn from your mistakes. How many have ever learned from your mistakes? It's good. That's good. Slowest way to get it. Second way to get wisdom is mentors. I would much rather get my wisdom from Apostle Allen than from my mistakes. I'd rather get it from his mistakes. Right? If I can learn from his mistakes, I don't have to make the same mistakes. Well, that'll save me a whole lot of time right there. Right? I called one of my mentors. I said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? He said, I wouldn't do that if I was you. I said, why not? I think it's a great idea. He said, so did I. He'd already done it. Man, he just saved me three months of work, $40,000 of investment. Why? Because he'd already done what I was thinking about doing. So, so understand. The third way to get wisdom is money. You can buy wisdom. By the way, that's the quickest way to get it. That's why if you go to my office, I got 4,000 books. Why? Too much stuff I don't know. I hate not knowing stuff. So I get everything I can. I was at a meeting one time with a guy named Peter J. Daniels. Anybody ever heard of Peter J. Daniels? Yeah, a few people. Peter J. Daniels, one of the wealthiest men in Australia, went to a seminar he was doing. It cost me about $3,000 to get to the seminar, to go to the seminar. He's teaching. He's doing better than I'm doing. So obviously he knows something I don't know. Remember I said, if you're not doing as well as you'd like to be doing, it just means there's something you don't know. So he's teaching. I'm writing notes as fast as I can. At the end, he said, I've got books and CDs and then told us about all the stuff. So as soon as it was over, I, said, I grabbed my friend. I said, let's go. I got to get that stuff. And so we ran back to the table. I said, I want everything he's got. They said, you want everything? I said, everything. He knows something I don't know. I'm going to find out what it is. So they added it all up. They said, if you buy everything on this table, it's $1,600. U.S. dollars, $1,600. And... Uh, I didn't know he knew that much stuff. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to be that much. And my friend said, that's crazy. You think it's worth it? And I thought about it for a minute and I said, you know what? I think I'm worth it. I see, I don't buy a book because I think the paper's worth it. I buy books because I think I'm worth it, right? I mean, if you don't think you're worth $20, why would anybody else think dollars, 
right? And, and so, so I, I, I invest, I got everything. I got everything on the table. Started listening to, I got a lot of good ideas. Then I got this one really good idea. There's this American billionaire, he's passed away now, uh, named Ross Perot. He said, all it takes is one good idea to live like a king the rest of your life. Just one, and I didn't get a king idea, but I got a pretty good idea. Got this idea, I put it together, I sold the idea. Within about, within about eight months, it produced me a little over $300,000 US dollars. Say, praise the Lord. I seemed a little jealous of my blessing for, <laughs> I don't care about that. I may be happy if you had a $300,000 idea. Yeah. How many be happy if you just had like a $50,000 idea? How many just hope you have an idea before? I gotta hope I think of something. I've never even thought. You always invest in what you find valuable. The Bible tells us how valuable wisdom is. And so as we look to expand, and, and, uh, and by the way, don't forget uh, uh, those of you that a lot of you invested in yourself already, but uh, we got that whole success made simple uh, card back there, just one card. And just the price of the book by themselves is, is more than what we're selling the card for. So it's like such an incredible, incredible deal. There's one thing on here that uh, how many would love it if I could just come home with you for about 30 days and help you develop a plan uh, to accomplish some of the goals and things that you have. I, I, we'll just come to your house, hang out, have some malva pudding and some biltong and appetizer. That's all I want. I can live here. And flat white. I've had a lot of flat white since I've been here. I'm going home a fat white. Uh, I've had so many flat whites. Anyway, um, so anyway, so so. One of just one of the things on here, one of the things on here is a 30-day game plan. It's worth it's worth the entire thing. It's only 2,000 rand for the whole thing, and it's worth the whole thing because what I do is every day when you wake up, I'll be waiting for you. <laughs> Hello, it's a little, I know it's a little creepy, but I'll be there when you wake up, um, and and uh, and and I'll spend the day. You'll get a you'll get a video, and you'll get a workbook, a worksheet each day. And after 30 days, you'll actually have a written plan of what to do next. Maybe you want to start a business. Maybe you want to franchise. Maybe you want to lose some weight. I don't know what it is you want to do, but this will help you. And I have friends that join me uh, along the way. Uh, how many have ever made a bad decision? How many like to know how to make good decisions? Yeah, one bad decision can mess up a lot of stuff. Think what one good decision could do. And so a friend of mine ran Disney World, all four parks for 13 years, every, all the parks in Florida, uh, all the hotels. He was over everything. And uh, he's, he, one of the days, he'll be your coach. Like if you tried to hire him, it'd cost, you know, you, you couldn't do it anyway. So he's with me. He's a friend of mine. So he comes on. So me and him will be with you in the morning and we'll talk about how to make good decisions. Uh, you want to have a good attitude. We talk about that. I got a friend. Each day I've got different friends that help me. That are they're some of the greatest uh, coaches and, and leaders in America and really around the world uh, that are on here with me. The, the first day we talk about your attitude. That's the most important thing. You have a good attitude. And so I have a friend who's got a little church in Texas that he's trying to get going and trying to get his name out a little bit. And so I said, you know what, if you want to be on one of my videos, um, I think it'll help you. And so I asked Joel Osteen if he wanted to be on here. And, uh, and he said, Dave, I'd love to be on your video, Dave. We'll have a good time. And so, uh, so me and Pastor Joel are on here. Anyway, that's just, that's just the, the, the one that goes with the book, Another Shot. That's the game plan. The 40 days of favor will change your life forever. Just one moment of God's favor. Whatever you recognize, you become thankful for. 
whatever you're thankful for increases in your life. So as you learn to be thankful for the little things that God does, you'll begin to see it increase into the bigger things. When you learn how to live a lifestyle, favor is not a one-time event, favor is a lifestyle. And as you learn to recognize the little things, you'll begin to see it expand. Uh, favor could change your medical report, right? Sarah, bearing in her wound, couldn't produce a child. God showed her favor, changed her medical report. She had a child. So uh, then we mindset, which is what we're talking about here. All those are there. The one on habits, 12 traits of the greats is my favorite of all books. That one's right there in the middle. And then if you need a miracle, uh, that book, Miracles, What to Do When You Need One, will just walk you through eight sessions on, on uh, how to believe God for your miracles. Anyway, all that's back there, and it's, uh, there's a few of them left, so I hope you will invest in yourself if you think you're worth it. I know, I know um, you know, some of you I probably think, you know, Dave, it's just whatever will be, will be. I mean, does this really help? I mean, trying to change your mindset and whatever will be, will be. That's just... That's a, a lie that has, uh, that has robbed you of your power to choose. Your power to choose life, your power to choose success. What is uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, verse 19? Today, I've given you, um, ooh, that tickles. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It doesn't tickle at all. It feels kind of awkward. No, we good? Thank you. Today, I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. There's what we're talking about. Eliminate. You know what? We want to keep life, eliminate death, keep blessing, eliminate cursing. I called heaven and earth to witness against you. How many, how many have ever taken a multiple choice test? How many think you could get it right if they gave you the answer? <laughs> That's what got, he could look, I said, Blessing, curses, life, death. And then he goes, hey, choose life. <laughs> he just gave us the answer. If you can't pass this test, you, you, you need a lot of prayer. <laughs> I told you last night we were going to look at this uh, book of Numbers here, this, uh, this story uh, uh, of Moses, leader of the Israelites. He left Egypt. He was headed to Canaan. Now, Canaan, a lot of people say, well, Canaan's a type of heaven. I don't believe it's a type of heaven because there were giants in Canaan and there will be no conflict in heaven. So I don't think that that's possible that it was heaven. But I, I, let's, let's, look at, let's look at it like this. Egypt represents failure. Canaan represents success. God said, if you commit your plans to me, I'll cause them to succeed. If you say, if you meditate on my word day and night, you'll have good success. So Canaan would be success. Canaan is a symbol of our, our dreams, our goal, expanding our, our places of victory. It's success. Every person has goals, things they want to accomplish. God intended for you to have them. Now listen, you will never leave Egypt until you can see yourself in Canaan. So that's where it's got to start right here in your, in your, in your thinking. Uh, we talked about three ways to see yourself. So numbers uh, chapter 13, and I'm going to, I'm going to let you read the whole story later. Cause there's a, there's a whole thing there. Moses, they send out 12 spies, one for every tribe of, uh, of Israel. There are 12 tribes and they go see what it's like over there. Go, you're going to go spy out the land, whether they're strong or weak, or whether there's a lot of them, what their camps are like. And, and then, uh, and then, uh, they came back with some grapes, a cluster of grapes Two of them carried the grapes. Talk about some grapes. Them some big grapes. Took two people to carry just a cluster of grapes. I, I'm picturing the grapes about like that big. Some big grapes. 
They told Moses, we came to land flow with milk and honey, and the, but the people there are strong and the cities are fortified. And, and, and then you get down to verse 30 and, and Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, hey, let's go at once and possess the land. We are well able to conquer it. But then you got some other people that are like, well, I don't know, Moses. I mean, the people are so big over there. They're stronger than we are. And they brought the Israelites an evil report of the land that they had scouted out, saying the land that they, uh, which we went to spy out will devour its inhabitants. They're great. They're giants. And, and the last part there says, and we were in our own sight as what? Grasshoppers. We were in our own sight. How you see yourself. Remember we talked about that? How you see yourself. Well, we look like grasshoppers. And then it goes on to say, even they think we look like grasshoppers. So not only did they have low self-esteem, they were worried about what everyone else thought about them as well. So the 12 spies, they go out, they spy out the land. 10 came back with an evil report, two with a good report. Now, let me tell you this. Ignoring the giants was not what made their reports good or evil. Because all 12 of them recognized the existence of giants. But the two spies, the faith spies, Joshua and Caleb, see, living by faith does not mean you ignore the obvious. Some people think, well, if I ignore the problem, if I ignore the situation, uh, if, 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 you know, if I recognize it, I'm admitting doubt. And, and just, that's just incorrect. I mean, even Matthew chapter four, Jesus did not act like Satan didn't exist. So ignoring your financial problem, it's not gonna make it go away. Ignoring cancer is not going to make it go away. I don't have it. I don't have a cold. <coughs> it's not going to make your problem go away. Just like ignoring your mother-in-law. It's not going to make her. <laughs> you have to admit that something exists before you can confront it successfully. All 12 of the spies had faith. 10 of them had faith in the giants. Two of them had faith in God. You've got to decide where your faith's going to be. Now, I don't know about you. I like being around people of faith. Faith is contagious, right? You get in here, get around other people full of faith. You get in this conference. By the time you leave, you're going to catch something. Catch some faith, catch a healing, catch some favor. Just get around and you'll find out. It's, it's, it's good. But, but I like people. You know, you want someone to pray for you. I want someone with some faith, right? Someone's going to believe. I got a guy like that. I got a friend. You want someone, he, he's going to believe right then. He, he believes it's going to happen right now. You know, you, this guy needed prayer for his, his hearing. He's like, hey, could you pray for my hearing? He said, I'd be glad to. He grabbed his ears. Man, he prayed this powerful prayer over his ears. And uh, he said, okay, how's your hearing now? I mean, he believed for it right then. The guy said, actually, my hearing's not till next Thursday. <laughs> but... But he was ready, right? He was ready, and that's the kind of people you want. So they came back, these 12 spies. Now, here's what I learned. Your conversations reveal whether you're a winner or a loser. Losers talk about their problems. Winners talk about possibilities. You can talk about the obstacles, or you can talk about the, the opportunity. You can talk about disease, you can talk about health. You can talk about what the devil's doing, or you can talk about how God is winning. You decide, you can be a victim, or you can be a victor. Your words are powerful. And the Bible, it's a book of pictures, right? That's what, 10 spies, in our opinion, 
We look like grasshoppers. Even the giants think we, and I hear Christians talking like that. Hear Christians talk, I'm not worthy. How am I ever going to be able to do that? Did God create you? You were created by the creator. When you begin, you are God's creation. You have worth, you have value. He has implanted in you the seeds of faith and power and success. And it's time you start acting like it. It's time you start living like it. Quit belittling yourself. Quit saying, oh, I hate when people say, oh, I'm just so dumb. My son, he, he goes, oh, I was so stupid. I go, oh, don't ever say that. You have the mind of Christ. How could you be stupid? How could you ever do that? You got the mind of Christ. You are super brilliant. Yeah, just think about that. Just, just point to you and say, I have the mind of Christ. Yeah, tell the person next to you, say, I'm super brilliant. Yeah. Tell the other person, say, I'm amazed at how brilliant I am. Yeah. Quit acting like a grasshopper. Quit talking like a grass. Here's some advice for you. Some of y'all need to quit using chapstick. Start using some glue sticks. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut if you can't say the right thing. A lot of people cry over all the, thing that, all the things that they've lost. But listen, if you'll get your mind off of what you don't have and get it on what you do have. Get your mind off your lack and get it on what you already possess. You, go around, you can't go around magnifying your problems. Bible didn't say, oh, magnify your problems with me. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. When you magnify something, what do you do? You, you make it bigger, right? When I, if I put a magnifying glass on this, it's going to make it bigger. So you choose. You can magnify your problems, make them bigger, or you can magnify your God and make him bigger than all your problems. Start bragging about God. Start planning your victories. That, that negative mindset will destroy your faith. Quit looking at all the failure photographs that Satan shows you of your yesterdays. Start getting a picture of a photo album of what God has a good photo album of all your victories and your successes and your future and your, your tomorrow. God's not looking at where you stumbled yesterday. He's looking at the possibilities of what your tomorrow looks like. And he's trying to expand your thinking to see that your best days are still in front of you. So stop talking like a complainer and start talking like a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. Yeah, we're not going to constantly talk about our lack of finances. Our, uh, we're going to talk about our, our lack of this. And no, talk about your expectations of what God is going to produce. You have the power of choice in your life just as, just as they did. And you can let fear keep you from your promised land or you can move ahead and possess your promised land. God gives you the choice between receiving blessings or letting them go unclaimed. But miracles are coming at you every day. Blessings are coming at you. They're either coming at you or going past you. All you got to do is grab hold of yours. When you make the right decisions, you release God's best in your life. You can release heaven into earth on your behalf. And you release the will of God for, uh, for your benefit that the darkness will be replaced by light. That's what it said in Job, uh, Job 22. Look at this scripture, Job 22. You have the power to decide. Uh, Job 22, verse 28. You will succeed in whatever you choose to do. And the light will shine on the road ahead of you. 
So many people are waiting for opportunity to knock. Just waiting for opportunity to knock. What does the Bible say? Matthew chapter 7. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks, the door's open. Your parents, if, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, who would give them a stone instead? If they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. If sinful people know how to give good gifts to their children, think how much more your heavenly Father will give good gifts to those who ask. So the scripture teaches us not to wait for opportunity to knock. Go knocking. Go knocking. You do not have to stay in the condition that you're in right now. Whatever level you're at, you can always grow. You can always be inspired. According to, according to Matthew 16, signs are to follow you. You're not supposed to be following signs. Signs are supposed to be following you. So you got to ask God for what you want. There's 7,000 promises you can lay hold of in the Bible. I mean, there, whatever, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. That's a good one. Do something about your life. Instead of just floating downstream, well, whatever will be, will be. So whatever happens, happens. Any dead fish can just float down the river, right? Takes a live one to wake up, awake. Awake to swim against the current. So you can begin sowing into your future. That's a powerful, there's a powerful promise. There's all kinds of promises. I learned that one a long time ago. How many like giving? Let me see if you like to give. Now listen, I know that you're like, wow, you just think life is perfect. You must just never have any. Listen, I have problems. I have situations. I mean, the Bible promises we'll have problems. It's a promise. Congratulations. John 16, 33. In the world, you will have trials, temptation, uh, tri uh, tribulation, distress, frustration. Awesome. How many have ever been on an airplane that hit turbulence? Let me see. Have you ever been on it? Oh, wow, a lot of you. Okay. Uh, what'd you do when the airplane hit turbulence? Prayed. Held on. Did anybody get off the plane? Like, I can't handle turbulence. I got to get off here. No, you can't get off. You hold on. You buckle up. You can't get off the plane. Let me ask you. Anybody been on a plane that hit turbulence and you're still here? We made it. We're going to be okay. How many have ever had some turbulence in life? Things got a little shaky in life. You're still here. You can't quit. You can't, don't give up. Just hold on. Buckle up. Pray. I was on a, was on a flight the other day and a lady sat down next to me. She'd never flown before. And so we we're talking for a few minutes. She was like, I'm nervous. I've never flown before. I'm like, don't worry. I'm on the plane, you know. <laughs> so we talked for a few minutes. Plane took off. I fell asleep. I, I can't stay awake on the plane. I, I, I was sound asleep. And about 30 minutes into the flight, we hit turbulence. And the plane started shaking a little bit. She started hitting my leg. She goes, hey, hey. I'm like, huh? She's like, do something. I was like, what do you want me to do? She goes, I don't know. Aren't you like a preacher? I said, I'm like a preacher. I'm not like a pilot. You know. She goes, I don't know. She goes, just do something religious. <laughs> so I got up and took an offering. I thought that'd be, uh... but, in the world, you will have trials, tribulation, distress. 
but be of good cheer. Yeah, tell someone else, you say, lighten up. Be of good cheer. He said, I've already overcome the world. I've deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. I love all these principles. How many like giving? Let me see again if you like to give. Most of us do. We kind of can't help. It's just kind of the way God made us. For God so loved the world that he gave. He is a giver. So we're created in his image. So we enjoy giving. He loved the world so much that he gave what? The son, not, just, not just a son. He gave his, yeah, it wasn't like he had three sons. And he's like, take the second one. That one we just, he gave his only so you know what that tells me? He gave his very best for me. You know, I think about that every time I have an opportunity to give. Is it my best? A lot of times we just do what's easy. Ah, there, here comes the offer. Just throw it in. We, we've had offerings the last couple of nights. You just, some of you just, okay, yeah, that's fine. But did you give your best? Because that's what God did for you, right? He gave his very best. I remember years ago when I really began to see this, I, I just got married. My wife and I just got married. We lived in a little apartment um, in the States, we call it Section 8 housing. Uh, it's basically how much you make determines how much you pay for rent. It, it was low-income housing. We just got married. We, 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 barely, we barely made any money combined. We didn't even have a bed yet. We had a little air mattress. Didn't have a dining room table and chairs. We we're just starting out our ministry. Dave Martin International. <laughs> like international, like where y'all been? We hadn't been anywhere. Um, we, but we had a dream. It was a small ministry. I did everything. Yeah, I answered my own phones. People would call. I'm like, Dave Martin International? They're like, can I speak with Dave? I'm like, uh, one moment, please. <clears throat> Hello? I'm like, your staff is so good. I, yeah, I've trained it myself. But that, in that little apartment, God began to, to speak to us and began to, to teach us a little bit about this principle of sowing and reaping, and that, that what we sowed today would create a better tomorrow for us. And that God gave us, now I, I grew up in church, my dad's a pastor, my grandfather's a pastor, been in church my whole life. Only thing we could do that wasn't a sin was go to church. Anybody go to that kind of church? And we couldn't do anything. Everything was a sin except going to, if me and my brother wanted to play, we just played church. I'd preach, he'd get saved. He'd been saved a lot. And we, we learned about tithing. You know, tithe means 10th. It's not, a, it's not a Bible word, it's just a math word. Just means we bring God 10%. He'll open up the ones that, they taught us that. They taught us that you better pay your tithe or God will kill you. That's what they taught us. We were scared. God was like the godfather of the mafia. And tithe was like protection money. Just give him his money. He won't break your legs. Just, you know. we didn't learn the joy of, of giving. Like you learn around here, the joy of giving, the opportunity to give. And then above tithe, you have opportunities to give offering, which, which tithe opens up the windows of heaven. Your offering determines what comes out, right? And, and, and uh, you know, we get to come to this conference. There's no charge at this conference, no uh, uh, registration or anything like that. We have opportunities which that's what this is, is uh, another offering. No, it's an opportunity. And I remember when I began to understand that in that little apartment and God began to speak to us. And I, I remember the first time above our tithe, we gave $20. And i never forget. I remember the first time above our tithe, we gave $100. Now God started stretching us. I learned this. Faith is a muscle, right? If you want a muscle to grow, what do you have to do? Exercise it or, or stretch it. 
right? So you're bench pressing. Say, I want to bench press 500 pounds. Well, maybe I don't start with 500 pounds, right? Maybe I, I start with 100. See if I can do that. Once I got that down, what am I going to do? I'm going to add a little weight on the end, and I'm going to get it up to 150. And then once I got up to 150, I'm going to add a little weight on the end, and I'm going to get it up to, to 200. I just keep working my way up. One day I'll get to 500, but I'm just going to work my way up. Remember uh, first night, I think I told you about my dream wall where I had the check. I wanted to give $100,000 to my church. Well, I didn't start with 100,000. I started with 100. I'm just working my way up, just like I'm, I'm bench pressing. One day I'm going to get, I don't bench press 500 yet. Right now I bench press around, I don't know, around 3.30 or, or 4 o'clock. Around that time, usually when, that's usually when I do it. But um, I'm working my way up one day. One day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get there. And, and I did the same thing with my giving. I remember the first time I gave 100. I'll never forget the first time I was at a conference kind of like this. And the preacher was encouraging everyone, you know, we're going we're gonna to give tonight and, and we're going to honor God with our giving as God's blessed us. We're going to be a blessing. I love that. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. To be a blessing. blessing. And that's what the blessing's for. In this building are water pipes. What's the purpose of the water pipe? Not to get wet. The purpose of the water pipe is to distribute water. It takes water from one part of the building to another part of the building. The purpose of God's blessings are not so you can get blessed. They're so that you can be a blessing. That's what the Bible said, the promise to Abraham. I'll make your name famous and, and I'll, I'll, I'll cause you to distribute my blessings, what one version says. My prayer, Lord, make me a distribution center of your blessings. Bless me so that I can be a blessing. Now, how many know when the water pipes are distributing water, how many know the pipes do get wet? Not the purpose of the pipe, it's just part of the process. In the process, the purpose of blessings are not so I can get blessed, not so I can get a new house or a, a boat, or it, they're so that I can be a blessing. Now, in the process of me being a blessing, how many know the Word of God says you'll be blessed, right? Not the purpose, just part of the process. Can't help it. Just when the water goes through the pipes, the pipes are going to get wet. When blessings go through your life, you're going to get blessed. Just how it works. And I remember giving my first hundred. I remember, I, I remember that night, Pastor, like, there's people can do this, some can do this. Because there's several people here God's speaking to about giving $500 in the offering. I remember him saying that. I was sitting on the second row right over here thinking, whoa, 500. Hope God speaks to them. I didn't want to be one of them. I just hope whoever they were, all of a sudden I felt like God said, you're one of them, give 500. I said, oh, shoot. I started to reach for my wallet. About the time I did, the guy sitting next to me said, I'm one of them. I said, whew, I guess I overheard God talking to him. <laughs> so I put my wallet back in my pocket. About that time, my wife said, is God telling you anything? I said, I don't know, is he telling you anything? She said, I think we're supposed to give 500. Huh. I remember I got the envelope out. I started filling out the envelope. Ink was smearing from the tears. <laughs> God loves a cheerful giver. Whatever. i tell you what. If you're happy every time you give, you don't give a lot. There's a lot of times I haven't been happy. Willing, yes. Obedient, fine. Happy, nope. That day I had $503 in my account. If you have 503 and God wants 500 of it, not happy. I'm obedient. I did it. I'm crying the whole way. People, you shouldn't cry when you give to God. I said, I'm not. I'm just watering my seed. 
not only did we live in that little apartment, but we also were $32,000 in debt. That night, God spoke to us. Scripture, you've heard Ephesians 6, 8. What you make happen for my house, I'll make happen for your house. I said, God, we live in an apartment. He said, what you make happen for my house, I'll make happen for your house. And that night, we made a decision to always do our best to obey God, to trust God. Anything you do in an attempt to obey God will not go unrewarded. And we began to build God's house in that little apartment. We gave the 500 that night. Had no idea how we'd even get out, ever get out of debt with what we made. A couple weeks later, my wife was going to the store. There was a, in the States, there's a place called Walmart. It's a big store in the States. She went into Walmart one day to get some toilet paper, toothpaste, whatever you get at Walmart. And while she's in there, a lady comes up with a video camera and asks her if she'd um, like to be in a Walmart commercial. Her and her friend. They said, well, what do we have to do? They said, well, gonna, we're going to videotape you. We've got people at 20 Walmarts around the country today, and uh, we'll send it off to Chicago. They'll pick two people. So they did it, came home, told me about it. I laughed at them because you don't, you don't just go to Walmart. People ask you to be in commercials. I've been to Walmart. No one's ever asked me to be in a commercial. <laughs> I kind of feel like I'm commercial material. <laughs> so they, 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 uh, a couple days later, we get a telephone call. Out of all the Walmarts and all the people, her and her friend were the ones chosen for this Walmart commercial. They say, can you come to Walmart Friday morning? They get down there looking for the lady with the camera. Half of Walmart's blocked off. There's lights, there's cameras. They said, we're here for the commercial. They said, come right this way. They said, what do we have to do? They said, you're just going to shop. They said, who else is in it? They said, nobody, it's just you. So they just shopped, talked about Walmart, love Walmart. This looked good on me. At the end of the day, they thanked them for coming and gave them both a check for $800. Now, first of all, that's, that's favor right there. That's first time my wife ever went shopping, came home with more money than she left with. They said, by the way, it's going to be a national commercial, which means every time it airs, you're going to get paid for it. I said, how much does a commercial like that make? I don't know. I'm at church on Sunday, and the Holy Spirit says, how much do you want the commercial to make? I said, I don't know. But if you're going to be thinking anyway, might as well think big. So we, we planted a seed again that night. Said, God, we don't know what, what we, we, you know the miracles that we need. We just planted that $500 seed. Here's what I learned. When God spoke to me about that $500, he already knew about the Walmart commercial. When God speaks to you about a seed, He's got a harvest on his mind. God already has something. Every time something leaves your hand, something leaves his hand. That commercial started airing. By the end of the first two weeks, we'd received checks for over $5,000. By the end of the, by the end of the, it aired for 13 weeks. By the end of the 13 weeks, we'd received over $15,000. We're halfway out of debt already. And she just went to Walmart. You never know how God's going to bless you. Every time I go to Walmart now, when I walk by the security camera, I'm like, you just, you probably heard about the little old lady lived right next door to an atheist, and this atheist would hear her pray all the time. He said, I'm so tired of hearing this lady pray to God. There is no God. One day he heard her praying for groceries. She didn't have any food. She was praying for groceries. He said, here's my chance. I'm going to show her there is no God. So he went to the grocery store, supermarket, and bought a couple of bags of groceries, put them on her steps. She came out, found the groceries. She said, thank you, Lord, for the groceries. The atheist jumped out and said, I got you. She said, what do you mean you got me? He said, God didn't bring you these groceries. I bought these groceries. I went to the store. I bought them. I brought them over here. I put them on your steps. God had nothing to do with this. She looked down at her groceries. She looked over that atheist. She said, thank you, Lord, for the groceries, and thanks for making the devil pay for it. 
Yeah. You just, you just never know. Tonight we have an opportunity to hear God when God speaks to you about a seed. Two things you got to do tonight. Number one, just hear God's voice. What's he saying for you to do? What's he saying for you? I, I, all of us would love to. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome? If, I mean, who, who would love it? If God had blessed you, if you could, how many say, man, I'd, I'd give 20,000 rand if I could tonight. How many would do that? If you, if, it's not a pledge. I'm just asking. <laughs> Some of y'all nervous. Like, is that the offering? Is it? No, no, I'm just, I'm asking. I just want to see your heart. How many would love to be able to do that? Yeah, no, I know everybody can't do that. Some people could tonight. God will speak to some people. They could, they could do that. Some people would be easy. Some people maybe out of maybe a business person, some out of their business, some pastors. Maybe there's some things you're really believing for in your in your ministry right now. But every one of us can do something tonight. A seed of nothing will produce a season of nothing. There's not a day in our life any of us could make it with nothing. So every one of us will do something. You've received incredible ministry this week, and and uh, and and the church has 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 blessed us by putting this whole conference together. Uh, and so we have an opportunity to sow back into that. And I believe what we make happen for God's house tonight, God will make happen for our house. Maybe it's, maybe it's 5,000 Ram. Maybe that's, maybe that's a stretch for you. Maybe that's more than you've ever done before. Maybe that's where your, your, your stretch is tonight in your, in your faith. Maybe for someone else, it's a thousand Rand. I don't, I don't know what God's going to say to you, but father, I thank you that you will speak to each one of us tonight of what we could do. Lord, there's moments where we have opportunities to stretch. Lord, tonight we have an opportunity to stretch our faith, to believe you for greater things. But Lord, the two most important things we can do tonight is obey your voice. Every one of us will do something. At, at some level of our faith, everyone will do something. We'll prepare an envelope tonight. We've got Zapper and Snapscan, those, those things. We'll have opportunity, however we choose to do it. The most important thing is tonight that we do it at some level. Someone, you're, you're, you're stretching them to something uncommon. It's, I don't know if it's an uncommon amount or an uncommon number. It's something that they've never done before. And Lord, you're stretching them that way. The second thing we're going to do is when we, when we sow a seed, we can expect a harvest. That's what your word says. You don't, we would never plant tomatoes in our backyard and not expect tomato plants. So why would we sow into your kingdom and not expect you to multiply back to us like you promised? You bless us to be a blessing. So number one, we give with obedience tonight. Number two, we give with expectation. Lord, we thank you. That as we have opportunity to bless your kingdom and build your house, Father, we thank you that the needs in our house, the things that we're believing for, in our homes, in our relationships, in our finances, in our, maybe in our business, Lord, that you're already moving on our behalf. As soon as this seed leaves our hand, a harvest leaves heaven. And even while we sleep tonight, this seed will be working and producing in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Amen. One more time, say the rest of my life will be the best of my life. Thank you for listening to this session of Come Celebrate. We hope you enjoyed.